Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Evan, you are... I get why you had to miss the episode, but you were dumb as hell for missing the quick hit we put out on Verona because it was the most Evan episode to ever episode. I didn't listen, so you may have to elaborate. (laughs) The whole situation was we brought up every talking point and we were breaking down the contract and analysis and things like that. And all of it was legitimately the Futurama. I have no strong opinions one way or the other. If you were, if you're a fence sitter, which you are, you would have loved that episode. It's the only time you could have gotten away with it without Brad and I harping on you. Uh, yeah, and I actually do feel that way about that contract. So <laughs> it's perfect. I didn't even need to be here for you to convey my message. Yeah, you're annoyingly, you're omnipresent. Your, yeah, yeah. your message just lives on forever. I have to say, um, it was this two, second time doing this, starting my week or starting at least the, the end of my weekend bright and early by seeing you two sucks <laughs> i thought i'd get used to it but it, I, I i it's uh, pretty awful every day hurts just as much as the next i feel nothing like period so it's fine well these brad's doing great all right welcome to the winged wheel po- pod oh geez welcome to the winged wheel podcast where i'm working on my enunciating and this is another bright and early episode i'm ryan hannah i'm brad crisco and i'm evan you actually almost missed that one i just got an important email I'll tell you about it off air. On a Sunday morning. I went nuclear at the golf course the other day. Oof. Nuclear. (laughs) I think it's nuclear. Uh, (laughs) um, On this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast, we are going to be talking about uh, just a couple things. It's... Hold on. I kind of want to know what Evan nuked at the golf course because it wasn't the ball. (laughs) They they left my brand new clubs out in the rain. Oh. And when I showed up with Catherine to play, there was a literal puddle in one of my pockets of my bag and all my gloves were ruined. My brand new irons were soaked. My putter grip... Oh, my putter's... I have a Scotty Cameron putter. So if anyone has a Scotty Cameron putter, they understand how rattling that would be all my gloves were ruined my rangefinder was soaked everything in my bag was soaked so i sent a very strongly worded email <laughs> to a few people being like if this is how you guys operate i'll take a refund so i can replace my shit so yeah so they just emailed me back so That's- i was reading that <laughs> I I've, I kind of want to be on the receiving end of a strongly worded email from Evan just because I want to see Evan passionate about anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when I snap, it's uh, it's not good. How have I not pushed you to that point? It takes a lot. I snapped at work this year once, and then I got exactly what I wanted <laughs> for my project. It felt really good, and then yeah, I, I snapped uh, at the golf course. Well, you shouldn't have told good. me that I have more leeway than I already do. Oh, well, trust me, when if you make me snap, you'll never want to do it again. Just a little bit of Del Vecchio slander every episode yeah, till we get just, there. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Uh, on this episode of the Wind Wheel Podcast, we have a few things to talk about. Uh, Sebastian Cosa signed his ELC last night, which is actually kind of notable. Um, I know ELCs are pretty standard, but we'll get into that. Um, a little bit of news on you know Donovan Sobrango. We'll talk a little bit more about Verona for anyone who... Um, We'll just expand on the conversation a bit. And uh, we're doing something that's a <clears throat> popular or unpopular request. I don't really know how to how to qualify this. Um, Elias Pettersson. Popular topic for everybody. Whichever answer we give will be very unpopular to have the people listening. 
Look, I, I'm getting better at not reading the comments. I will absolutely not be reading all no, the comments. No, yeah, absolutely not. It doesn't matter how many this is just a hypothetical conversations we have. Yeah. People will skip right past that and just stab us right in the guts. Yeah, And it doesn't even matter. Like, does not matter what side of the fence you fall on. You're screwed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is why we're having the conversation. Um, the uh, we, are, we are also getting closer to... Um, having the tickets or the link to buy tickets out for the event. So we'll chat uh, a little bit about that. But first, I want to talk to everyone about the Jamie Daniels Foundation. The more we talk about substance use disorder, the faster we can end the stigma and get support to those in need. The Jamie Daniels Foundation is a children's foundation initiative and was established in memory of Jamie Daniels and founded by Jamie's father and Red Wings lead announcer, Ken Daniels, and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels-Goldman. They strive to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. To learn more and offer your support, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. And of course, uh, the event that we have with the Red Wings, um, Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA, November 13th. Uh, when tickets eventually do go on sale, a portion of the proceeds from those tickets will benefit the Jamie Daniels Foundation. So uh, that is something that we're extremely excited about. Uh, game times were released. For the season, yep. seven PM game, which is nice that it's not like an eight thirty game. So the we got a we got a prime time Saturday night, which for those of us north of the border might be a hockey night in Canada game because it's against the Montreal Canadiens. You think so? Oh well, yeah. yeah, they'll pro- they probably won't get Saturday. the main feed, but they'll probably get either Sportsnet or City TV. Whoa, that'll be fun. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, yeah, the, the, we're very, very close to tickets being released on that. So link, uh, in the description of the episode, uh, if you want to fill out the interest form to be notified when tickets go on sale. And so we can help plan, uh, the event better to know how many of you are coming. The uh, number so far we have is holy shit. That's a lot. Um, (laughs) or visit wingwheelpodcast.com slash blog and you'll see the post there. Okay. Uh, Sebastian Cosa signed his ELC. Which is notable because Sebastian Cosa is a goalie, and uh, goalies are. If if Red Wings fans thought we wait a long time to see prospects come up, which was the case for quite some time, um, goalies are just that multiplied by something big, right? Like you, the typical path for an NHL goalie is wait, 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 try. Oh, they're they're untested and not that good. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, they're 28 years old. You have seven years for them to go. <laughs> That's about right. So I think there is a paradigm shift happening, and I think Carter Hart is a pretty good example of that. Um, probably someone who broke through and allowed GMs and, and coaching staffs to think a little bit different about goalies. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, what are our thoughts on Kosa signing so soon after being drafted? It's definitely a signal to how the organization feels about him because that is quick, especially for a goalie. It is a little different because he's a late birthday. So he's only one year away from going pro anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's probably going to end up in the AHL following this season. So if they signed his ELC this summer, next summer, I don't think it made much of a difference. So it's kind of good to get the certainty out of the way now. Um, especially if he has a huge year in the A or in the dub this year, maybe the bonus structure goes up or the base salary goes up a little bit. So signing it now, it probably saved them a couple bucks because I don't remember the exact details of what the numbers were he signed for. But yeah, it's if you look at Spencer Knight and Carter Hart and a couple other goalies lately, yeah, they're coming up quicker as goalie development. 
gets better as goalies are more highly trained and refined in their teen years. Yeah, it's not crazy to think Kosa could be a Red Wing in two to three years. So that'll be that'll be this contract. He might actually get two of the three years in this contract in Detroit. Yeah. And I think, you know, since they drafted him so high, highly or high, yeah, it's still early. I'm still learning my words. <laughs> um, the goal wouldn't be to have him sitting around in the minors developing forever. Like no. they want to fast track a prospect like him as quickly as they can in the right way, of course. Um, so to see him sign his ELC so quick, it wasn't surprising. Maybe I was a little surprised to see it, you know, few weeks removed from the draft um but they clearly have plans for him and it's exciting to see yeah he um the tentative details on the contract are 925 a year for all three years but i don't think that's entirely confirmed that's the elc price obviously imagine yeah. getting paid more than half of the buffalo sabers the time <laughs> nhl players um with with Kosa as the current ahl or chl NHL, whatever the name of the agreement is, CHL, AHL agreement, uh, COSA would not be eligible until the 2022-2023 season to play in the A or uh, the season prior's WHL season ending. I think he could technically be called up to um, the Griffins. It's that deal. I'm pretty sure it needs renegotiating. So those terms or conditions might change. And there's a heavy sentiment that that might change. So don't you know, lock that in or, or carve it in stone. But for now, he'll hit the 20 years old mark before the four years played in the juniors mark, uh, if I'm remembering that correctly. So, yeah. And so, from what I'm to understand, it, he should only require one more year in the WHL because I doubt they'll require him to go back as an overager anyway. Um, and yeah, once their season wraps up this year, he could go to Grand Rapids. I don't know if they would want to do like an emergency AHL loan for that because it seems like a poor decision to burn the first year of his ELC to play like 10 games in Grand Rapids or however much it is. So they got to walk that line carefully. Not that Edmonton's supposed to be good, so they'll probably go pretty deep. So even if he goes to Grand Rapids, it won't be that many games. But on the off chance, yeah, it's worth noting. The gist of it is we're looking at the 2022-2023 season. Uh, where Kosa is eligible to play in the A. As the agreement stands right now, subject to change, and we actually often advocate for that agreement to change because then we run into situations like Michael Rasmussen, who just had the first years of his development or just static noise, essentially. Yeah. Well, they did change a, have a temporary change this year because of the pandemic where players from the OHL who played at least 25 games in the AHL last year are eligible to go back this year. So they don't have to return to junior, which normally wouldn't be, which you wouldn't think would be relevant for the Red Wings, but it turns out it is. Yeah. Yeah. With Kosa, you, you brought up a good point Spencer Knight as well. I think that's really the big one that changed minds seeing what he did, um, which also just makes the Bobrovsky thing that much more hilarious but yeah if we're looking at 2024 or 2025 a full-time sebastian kosa in the lineup splitting the net with nadelkovich or whoever it might be um or at least he has the opportunity to play in and, and do that that's massive like and even before that you can see Se sebastian kosa slotting in for some games each season like up and down as he develops through the a all this is is there's a wild amount of variance and, and subject to change as I th I think right now the the plan is very obvious. It's Nedeljkovic for what's it 
three years. Yeah, he signed for two. What you you? What? Who's right? Both of you gave me different answers, but I think regardless, I think you know two, three years, whatever. Um, yeah, he has signed for two. My bad. <laughs> so you know that gives at least you know a starting point to see where Kosa is, and it gives some time to see. Okay, is you know Delkovich a long term solution in some capacity? So, you know, if two years roll by, Kosa's you know, a brick wall at every league he's played in, it's like, okay, it's time for him to start playing some regular minutes. You know, if he's not quite ready, it's like, okay, we can re-sign Adelkovic for another, maybe, you know, maybe lock him up a little bit longer. We can go a 1A, 1B type thing. And it, it, I think it's very obvious what they're doing in net right now or want to do. Detroit's in a good spot in terms of... I think it's so funny because like two months ago, if you would have told us, like, don't worry about goaltending. This is what's going to happen. We would have been like, that is the most ridiculous thing. I know. You could ever tell me. Yeah. yeah. They have a 25-year-old starting goalie now who's on the verge of possible NHL superstardom. Oh, and they got a goalie at 15th overall, too. Yeah. First of all, be like, 15th overall? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and <then laughs> What happened? <laughs> no. And there's going to be people who will very rightly say – Everything is hinging on two goalies, and there's not much else to say for it. And you're totally right. The Red Wings really cannot afford to miss on Kosa. Um, you can tell right now Kosa is a priority, and they're devoting every resource available to making sure that that doesn't happen. So I'm not too worried about that. I still think in future drafts they're going to have to take those, you know, third round and later maybe shots at at bringing in depth goalies. Well, yeah, in goalies there's always value to be had in the later rounds. So you can keep taking those swings, but you don't need both to pan out. That's the nice thing about the trade and, and drafting Kosa is Nadelkovic is 25. So it's obviously better for the Red Wings if Kosa is the guy just because he's six years younger. But even if Nadelkovic is what we think he is, what's well, a seven-year solution-ish right there? And then the downside if Kosa doesn't pan out is you wasted a first round pick but at least you're not screwed at the goaltending position um because obviously the context of what happens now with a first round pick and in, in net changes a ton because of Nadelkovic. because you know if, if we didn't make that trade and we drafted Koser Wallstead who'd be like all right good luck kid you can't fail yeah so it does take the pressure off a little bit yeah, it's a good spot. You're right, Evan. This would this would have been hilarious to think about. Of all the things that could have been fixed in this draft, I would have said goalie was probably the lowest on the list. I would have said they fixed out their the top end talent at the left side of D, which I mean they did. I would have said maybe they fixed their center depth somehow. Maybe like uh, in the first two rounds they grabbed like a McTavish and then another center that fell or something else, and I'd say okay that feels better. But no, it's yeah, it's goaltending. I mean, most important position on the ice any given night. So um, unexpected, but feels good as a Red Wings fan. Feels nice, especially after uh, the Keith Petrozelli. You know, he wants to play in Boston or whatever that is. Um, <laughs> that's he's not a fan. Yeah, that's my dog sprinting up and down the stairs because we're in this room with the door closed, which is rude. And uh, Mel just left the house. There's an open door policy around here. No, she tries to enforce that. One day when I when I have the office clean enough, I'll uh, I'll take a video for everyone. When we all walk in here to get ready for the episode, Abby walks in as well and sits down like she's a fourth host. Like I'm this far away from getting her a mic. <laughs> 
All right. Well, that's Sebastian Kosa signed. Uh, some Donovan Sabrengo news. Remember that AHL exception I was talking about? Yeah. Sabrengo qualifies. And I there has been no report from I've seen that I've seen coming out of Detroit or Grand Rapids that Sabrengo is playing in the AHL this year. But there's been a lot of news coming out of Kitchener that Sabrengo is playing in the AHL this year. Because obviously the Kitchener Rangers are his junior team. Um, so one of the local reporters around here reported that the Rangers are preparing for life without Sabrengo. <laughs> Um, which, you know, it, it's a report. There's nothing definitive about that, but they were, you know, anticipating him starting the season in the HL. And then Kitchener actually went out and made a trade to essentially replace Sabrengo on the blue line, bringing another defenseman, which, uh, was, I think someone in the Kitchener Rangers organization confirmed that, yeah, we're pretty sure he's going to the A this year. So from the sounds of it, Sabrengo is going to be a Griffin uh, at the very least to start the season. Uh, Sabrengo had a good, good little run in in Grand Rapids last year. Last year and last season are such weird terms to use because of the pandemic, but you you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, really impressive. It, it, everyone had has had and still have high hopes uh, for Donovan Sabrengo, but it was really good to see that run from him and um, really lends to how strong the Red Wings' defensive depth is, especially relative to how it was when Eisman inherited the team. Yeah, I do have one concern with him going to Grand Rapids this year because his first two years in Kitchener, he was arguably the strongest offensive defenseman on the Rangers. And when you talk to everybody in the Griffins, they never brought that up. He was playing a defensive role, wasn't getting power play time, was kind of, you know, the more conservative style, which makes sense when you're playing probably two, three levels up from where he should have been at that stage in his development. Um so I, I'm concerned that without being back in Kitchener where he would have run both special teams units, been played 30 minutes a night and really got a chance to round out the offensive part of his game, that that's not going to happen now because he's still not going to be that guy in Grand Rapids, especially bringing in, ironically enough, another former Kitchener Ranger and Ryan Murphy to take over the primary roles as, you know, yeah. on the power play. So it's good that he can hold weight in that league and it's a really really good sign that the Red Wings organization believes he can continue to hold weight and progress in that organization but I'm concerned it's at the detriment of parts of his game and they're basically just building him out to be a bottom pair defenseman and nothing more uh speaking of the Griffins good segue um Red Wings assistant GM and a GM of the Griffins as well as you know capologist cap guru whatever turn of phrase you like to use uh, ryan martin um, has reportedly left the red wings for the new york rangers so for a very similar role like he is going to be agm in new york under chris drury and um gming the is it Wolfpack? yeah um which is really notable for those who don't know the steve eisman has two assistant gms under him pat verbeek who he brought over from tampa bay and ryan martin who has been with the organization even from the uh, holland era um so ryan martin was someone who i expected might go early on in eisman coming um he's and th this isn't to speak you know negatively or, or positively or anything like we can't pretend to know the the inner workings of the Eisman <laughs> administration um but I thought Ryan Martin might go with Holland um Holland really liked him I think he's a, a big like 
he was a very influential influential mind uh, in that era of the Red Wings. So I thought he might be one of the first or one of the crew to go, but he stayed. Tyler Wright left and he stayed. And, and I think that's Eisman keeping people who know how the place run and know that you can't just pull the floor out from beneath the organization and expect it to work. Um, it's interesting that Martin left for the same role. So I don't know what that means here. Is that, you know, his, his time in Detroit ran out and they just let a contract expire and say, and said, find the opportunity elsewhere. Is this Ryan Martin wanting to leave? Does he want more exposure? So one day he can have a, a, a GM role. Does he just like the big city in New York and do they just offer him more money? Don't know, but it's pretty notable for, for the Red Wings. I think he's very Holland-esque. I had to work really hard to not say Holland days there. I don't know why, but that's just how my brain is working this morning. Um, he was the GM of the Griffins. So you're, we're going to see maybe the way the Griffins work uh, change a little bit. And he did a lot of the Red Wings negotiations or and handled a lot of the, the, the cap compliance stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it, that was interesting. There's probably three parts to this and all of which could be true to some extent. First and most likely, he probably got paid. Rangers were probably yeah. willing to offer him a su- substantial raise to make a lateral move because if he's if he was the guy they wanted, the Rangers pocketbook isn't one of the smaller ones in the NHL. So they they no. can get the guys. And Chris Drew is a new GM so he could use the experienced help. Yeah, yeah, honestly. And, um, you know, after the Rangers moves this offseason, they definitely need the help. <laughs> and two, Eisenman probably does want his own guys in those spots. And Ryan Martin's been around forever. And three, the, the pessimistic view is, well, development in Grand Rapids hasn't been great lately. So maybe Eisenman wanted a, a shakeup there to change something because there's been – Fewer success stories coming out of there than we would have liked or guys not exceeding their ceiling. Like the only one in recent memory I can think of where I can go, yeah, this guy outperformed expectations in Grand Rapids was probably Cider. Mm-hmm. And it, and after seeing what he did in the CHL, that just might be because Cider truly is a, a rare talent. CHL. Uh, SHL, sorry. Oh, SHL. I was like, oh, who did Cider play for that? I missed. I, mean, I think he was drafted <laughs> by Owen Sound. But anyways. So there could be an element to that too, where they kind of want to change the development philosophy mm-hmm. in Detroit, because again, they were notoriously the the slow roll, let over ripen the prospects, yada yada yada. Where that's not really too much of a thing in the NHL anymore, outside of the old school GMs. So you know, Costa's ELC might actually be a hint towards that as well. So I don't know. I, I think it's probably some combination of those three and you can assign percentages to whatever the factor that weighed most in the decision. True or false. The Grand Rapids Griffins have been too focused on winning and not enough on development. That is a, as I will say, that is a completely unfair question and I'm pigeonholing you guys into unfair answers here. But it stands. <laughs> I'm going to say false because the guys that you would want playing down there generally do play. Okay. Um, I think it's more in terms of what are they coaching them up to do. And honestly, like I said, Sabrango maybe being the most uh, pretty recent example of that unfair situation, mind you. But yeah, you would have expected guys like Hiroshi and Valeno to be maybe a little further ahead or maybe 
the warts in their game have been a little more refined, but, and, and it doesn't seem to be happening too often. The best example might honestly be Chalosky. They, he got sent down there to fix his game and it, it almost seemed to get worse when he went to the AHL. So you, you do have to look at factors like that. Listen, I won't speak about Grand Rapids until we're allowed to go because I was a, a dollar beer and hot dog night and margarita night was stolen from me. <laughs> So I refuse to comment on this topic. You know, as I listened to you sniff, I, I actually remembered something. You know what a discovery I made last night? That I have the worst seasonal allergies of all time? Trust me, we're all painfully aware of that. Um, <laughs> and I can no longer make fun of you because I believe myself to have adult onset uh, allergies, which is a very common thing. I never had allergies as a kid. Yeah. I I made fun of you constantly. I always tortured you while you were already being tortured by the air um, and realized yesterday that uh, the brain fog and the um, difficulty of taking deep breaths was because that always happened uh, right after I went out and mowed the lawn because we have like record amount of like growth and pollen and every kind of allergen in the world right now. Um, and yeah, so that's something that I have. So when does that end? It doesn't. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it does when you go to your doctor and get the right prescription. Yeah, because I've had allergies for ten years now, and you'd never know it. See, Brad doesn't sniff on the podcast. Evan, go to your doctor. What the? What the frick, man? Yeah, I've yeah. got I've got a pill I take before I go to bed every night, and I never notice my allergies. And if I miss if I miss one night, like all bets are off. It's hell. I think I've seen Earth, you once when you missed one night. It was bad. It's rare. I, it's it does get bad, so I never forget. <laughs> all right. Well. Um, Evan, we'll work on that together. That'll be, that'll be how our friendship really forms. Uh, that'll be some good content. Going to the doctors <laughs> to get the allergy test. The winged wheel vlog. <laughs> I don't want to hear the phrase HIPAA violation ever again in my life. So no. Um, okay. Yeah. We're, we're, we'll see what happens with, uh, the vacant spot. Um, a lot of people have mentioned, oh, will Chris Draper take over? You have to understand Chris Draper already has a de facto assistant GM role as director of amateur development slash like they're not, it's not a straight hierarchy up to the GM. There's Steve Eisman and then beneath him, there's different people who report right into him. So it might just be Verbeek as AGM. Um, he might bring in someone else. Uh, you'll remember Draper was assistant, special assistant to the GM. We might see um, other opportunities like that. Sergey Fedorov, come on over, that kind of thing. Uh, we'll see. Um, okay. Do we want to do it? Sure. I'm ready to get yelled at today. Just kidding. I'm not going to read any of the comments. Elias Pedersen uh, has been, I don't want to say disgruntled openly recently, but has commented recently in ways which were a bit coded about Vancouver's long-term viability, which um, I, th I think is an excellent read on Vancouver's long-term viability as a successful team because... Jim Benning is uh, building this team for Jim Benning's job, which is very much in the short-term uh, consideration. All this to say, Patterson wants to sign with a team who he thinks he's going to win with for a long time. Patterson also deserves a lot of money because he is a uh, budding, if not already, superstar in the NHL. The Vancouver Canucks have, I believe, counting Furland's LTIR, uh, about 16 and a half mil of cap space on their projected roster to sign both Hughes and Pedersen for next season. 
This is a tricky situation for Jim Benning and the Vancouver Canucks. It's a tricky situation for Pedersen, and it's one that is ripe to ask, is this finally when we see that massive offer sheet? And hypothetical, folks, this is purely a hypothetical for the sake of the exercise. The fact that we're having this conversation means Pedersen's going to sign tomorrow or today when we post this episode. But just for the sake of the discussion, should the Red Wings offer sheet Pedersen? Short answer, no, but this is a closer decision in my head than I thought it would have been. And I'll kind of talk about Pedersen first before I make my ultimate point at the end. So Pedersen hasn't put up the counting stats yet of a guy you would want to with his skill set. He's still young, he's still hyper-skilled, and he's been battling injuries, and he hasn't had the greatest supporting cast. But also, to be fair, he likely won't have that in Detroit for a couple of years either. Um, What you would have to offer him to get him would be an insanely high AAV that would cost you four first-round picks. So my first question is, if you're going to do this, you have to be confident. And I'm not talking, oh, I think. No, you have to be confident the Red Wings are good with him this year like we're talking playoff contending I don't expect Pedersen to take the Red Wings from where they are now to a cup contender I understand that's still going to be a process but even on the off chance a 10% chance you lose Shane Wright you give up the pick that turns into Shane Wright to get Elias Pedersen you've you've lost the deal horribly to begin with relatively low odds and that's kind of why I I bring up you have to be confident where the team's going to be because if the Red Wings are a lottery team, you don't even think about this because you could get a guy who could be better or as good or close to as good as Pedersen just in this draft. It's a deep center draft. Beyond that, I think the current trajectory of the Red Wings are I'm not worried about the two first round picks in the third and fourth year. I think even without Pedersen, those aren't going to be super consequential. But the next two drafts, you still have to factor that in because you could get elite talent with your next two first round picks. And that doesn't count in the fact that you're paying, what, $11, $12 million to Pedersen? All right. So what this would ultimately end up being would be you would trade four first round picks and a high AAV for Elias Pedersen. Now, if you can tell me with any confidence that none of those picks are going to be top 10 picks then you do this 100 out of 100 times and you don't think twice, even if that AAV has to be $12 million. It is incredibly hard to find talent like Elias Pettersson. The only downside here is truly the risk of two downsides, Pettersson's injury history and you give up the pick that turns into Shane Wright, Mitchkov, Bedard. The guys, guys who would solve one of the Red Wings major problems with a, you know, 12 million AV and a lot younger. But the main reason as of right now, and there's still time for this to change that I, I wouldn't beyond the risk because it's hard to find elite talent. And if you have to give up like the fifth overall pick to do it, it's fine. I, I absolutely hear that argument and I, I would prefer a Pedersen over that. If you're willing to take the three years in age difference, just throw the world at Alex Barkov and keep your four first round picks. That's that's my ultimate gamble right now because, hey, you still have to convince Pedersen to sign with you. 
you still have to convince Barkov to sign with you. So there's no guarantees on either front, but Barkov doesn't cost you four first round picks. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tackle a few points here. First off, um, for for the sake of information, the offer sheet compensation is four first round picks uh, for an AAV of ten point two seven six eight thirty specifically, um, and that is either whatever that is determined if uh, that's the AAV over five years or if it's longer than five years the contract then use total the entire sum of money being paid out to the player and you divide that by five for like an offer sheet calculation of an aav so it's a little bit complicated but you basically can't lower the aav by signing them to seven years and think you can get away with it yeah and i i'm not even gonna discuss the conversation under four first round picks because if you go under that aav vancouver matches it in six minutes so it doesn't it's not even relevant to the conversation i don't think so here's the thing I think Detroit is already a team who is not going to be in the hunt for the top uh, or for the best lottery odds. You add Elias Pettersson, who is a number one center superstar, or depending on how much of a naysayer you are, naysayer you are, borderline superstar to this team. You're looking at a team that is likely looking at. Um, a really good performance that sniffs the playoffs year one and in year two they're probably making the playoffs that's what i think i would say the red wings odds at getting shane wright or Michkov or bedard are already exceptionally low because you can't hold we've talked about this previously you can't hold a rebuild back for that long at some point you're going to naturally get better and we're going to start seeing that with the red wings those odds get substantially lower by bringing in Pedersen. Is it, would it be a huge gamble? Yeah, absolutely. Like massively, but isn't that kind of the big brass ones, like steel spine move that would change things? Cause if you can't get any luck, which the Red Wings can't, they couldn't get any lottery luck on any of the years when by all rights, it should have been theirs. And now their odds are decreasing and we're, we want to kind of like, sit on our hands because we're worried about not getting those guys. And I, I'm, adv- I'm I'm arguing hard here because I think it's a fun prospect, not because I necessarily like I'm all for it. But why not make your own luck? Why not bring in Elias Pettersson? It comes at a massive cost. I think offer sheet compensation is far too high and it ruins the fun in this league. But th- if those four first-round picks are, you know, picks 15 and later – Oh, if it, if that's the likely outcome, you do it and you don't think twice about it. That shouldn't even be a debate in your head if it is. But Is that not the likely outcome, though? Do you not believe that the Red Wings are f- the re- 15 and later with Pedersen? Absolutely not. They're ent- re-entering a division with Florida, Tampa, Toronto, Boston. They are going to be a lottery team this year. Now, whether that's with the second best odds or the fifth best odds, I don't know. I do think the Red Wings are a better team and I've talked about this before, but they are all, they were also in a horrible division last year. <laughs> they don't have that luxury this year. So there is, I, I'm still betting they improve as a team, but decrease in the standings. The best argument that you made to me was the Barkov one. Yeah. And I think that's made moot by the fact that Florida is probably the most attractive destination in the NHL yeah. right now. Yeah. And he's re-signing there for sure. Yeah, I, I don't th- – un- until he puts pen to paper, you got to keep it in the back of your mind as an option. Yeah. Um, but then, again, if you're Pedersen, there's more attractive options in Detroit because, again, I don't want to dump on, on our team, but 
we have to factor it in. It's it's a he's still a free agent, restricted or unrestricted. You still have to convince him to come here. And there are other teams that would also happily offer Sheep Pedersen, who would happily make the cap room for him, who would happily give up all of their late first round picks. And Pedersen go, oh yeah, well they're gonna win sooner. Or even if it's not like a premium destination like New York or Florida, I mean the Devils still have a ton of cap space, and they are. Where they're at now is way ahead of where Detroit is. Not way ahead, but ahead of where Detroit is. So that's probably a more attractive destination right now if they're willing to do it. Now, it takes a GM willing to do it, a player willing to sign, and a team having the cap space and the picks to do it. And there's not a lot of teams that meet all that criteria. So far, given that he hasn't signed one, there's no teams that meet that criteria. But yeah, so it's all the same thing. I Until Barkov signs, that would be my priority number one. The, the, the fun part here is that <laughs> there's no tampering. So we'll never know till next summer. Yeah, no, there's absolutely <laughs> no tampering. No, I'm just bringing this back to Pedersen. The Red Wings could conceivably do this and still bring back some of that draft capital. Would they be lottery picks? No, maybe not. Like, I, 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 but you have players that you're going to flip. Like, not if you bring in Pedersen. Absolutely not. You don't can, I think you still consider, I, I mean, if, if the offers are coming in for Bertuzzi, you still consider doing it. You still consider it, but... That's you, a way to get a first-round pick back. Yeah, but if you're bringing Pedersen, you're going for the playoffs. And you're not selling, if even if you're going into the playoffs. Because, hey, age-old hockey mentality, you just have to get in. Which is bullshit, but NHL GMs think that way. <laughs> I think... Look, look I, I'm not sure I'm pulling the trigger from the Red Wings GM. Again, I'm arguing for this because it's a fun hypothetical. And like you opened with, it's... It's a much closer margin than people give it credit for. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like the hard no people, like I completely respect that opinion, but you have to acknowledge that it's much closer um, than you might think. It'll never happen because it's the NHL and that would be too fun uh, and the compensation is too high. I just say th- I, I genuinely believe that bringing Pedersen onto this team makes them substantially better to the point where you're maybe not looking at a top 10 pick. Well, it could because he fills... Well, A, one, he's immediately their best player and it's not close. And when you get a player of his level, that makes you better. The bonus is he comes at their biggest position of need and the biggest hole on the roster right now. We've always been talking about could the Red Wings be a contender with Dylan Larkin as the number one. And we're like, "Ah, maybe if Dylan Larkin's your number two, you're probably a really goddamn good team. Well, Larkin is very obviously the number two on this team if Pedersen comes in. So that that. Gives you a really good two-headed monster up the lineup. The wingers are probably still a little too young to make too much of an impact. The defense is improved, but still probably not an elite defense. And Nadelkovich, we think, is going to be great, but that's far from a guarantee still. So there's a lot of variables with this team. Pedersen does make them a lot better, but it circles back to the how many games are they winning against Tampa, Florida, Toronto, Boston this year? And, and the reality is, even with Pedersen, probably not many more than they otherwise would have. Um, are they going to beat up on Ottawa, Buffalo, probably even Montreal? Yeah, good chance. Is that enough to vault them into a playoff spot? I would I would bet no. But again, then you're you're arguing lottery odds, which I don't want to do because if you if they don't get right out of this draft, I would rather have Pedersen. I, I like that's I don't care how good the top ten of this draft is. Most of them, if not all of them outside of right, aren't going to be as good as Elias Pedersen. Um, but if they are fourth, fifth, sixth worst in the team, 
one, Shane Wright's a lot, not a lot younger, but he's, he's much younger and he's going to be better. So it's, as much as I hate living on the gamble and it's a stupid idea to live on the gamble, you factor that in plus three more first round picks and it's enough to give pause. You know what, you know what it is that pushes me to the side of, I still probably, I I think right now I'm still not pulling the trigger is the quantity of first round picks. Yeah. It's the risk for right in Bedard and Mijkov. Like, yeah, it's there, but I can't live my life that way. You know, like you, you got to accept some risk. So if your conviction is for Pedersen, then I think if that's it, then, then you go for it. It's the four first round picks because four picks at pick 15 are so, still four very good players. If you draft well, and for the red wings, you want sustainable success. You're right, Brad, if they were further along and they didn't need so many more pieces or, you know, the makeup of this team is going to be a lot different than what it is right now. They're starting the roster uh, in, in October. If we were two or three years further along in the Red Wings rebuild, then I'm I'm much closer, if not definitely saying yes to this. But four first round picks to me is just ugh. they they do need to lower compensation. The, the, the offer sheet structure right now is is created to protect gms and basically take away agency from rfas and that'll be something that will be a sticking point in any every cba because that's an easy thing for the nhlpa to give up because it doesn't hurt your veterans who are basically what the nhlpa's priority is and it makes gms happy because you no longer have to pay such a premium for superstars i'm not i'm almost not even worried about the quantity it's just it's more the potential quality for me because the Red Wings farm system's pretty loaded right now and the only weakness is at center like literally the only weakness left wing right wing right defense left defense goaltending we're all we're happy in all those spots it's just center and Pedersen solves that problem it's the you better be really goddamn sure you're not drafting a player of Pedersen's quality with your next two picks, which very well might happen. It's a real long odds, and I, I wouldn't make my decision based on this, but it's not inconceivable to think of the Red Wings' next two first-round picks so everything goes right or, like, right in Bedard. All right. Like, so, not likely, but could you imagine? <laughs> you never live that trade down. No. Well, unfortunately, all this time waiting for the Pedersen conversation, we do have to cut it short. So maybe we'll revisit it depending on how the summer goes, uh, because we had breaking news not too long ago. Yeah, right in the middle of a podcast for once. I never would have thought we'd ever get breaking news relevant to the Red Wings in the middle of a podcast, let alone at 830 in the morning on a Sunday. (laughs) Uh, Adam Ernie has uh, settled with the Red Wings, avoiding arbitration and signing a two-year deal at $2.1 million per year so um arbitration doesn't go through uh ernie age 26 signs for a couple more seasons and the aav is 2.1 million fantastic if if he gets close to the pace he had last year that's a fantastic contract that's a lot of value for everything he brings as a 200 foot player with the flair of offense he showed last year um, and he'll probably be playing with better players this year because Helm and Glendening are gone. Um, so he's a guy that could really absolutely pump up his trade value and be somebody's Barclay Goudreau or Blake Coleman this year. He's not that good, but teams might think that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it doesn't go that well, it's 
two years, 2.1 million. That's perfectly reasonable for a bottom six usable forward. Yeah. The, the money to me is probably a little bit higher than what I would have given or would have expected. But at the same time, it's within that range of, Oh, who cares? Um, if you think it's high, count this towards the Red Wings infinite cap space. And the fact that it's a short term commitment means in the end, it doesn't matter. But when I say like high, you're talking about a couple hundred thousand here. Like it's a reasonable price. Um, no long term commitment. You get to, you get the option to see what Adam Ernie you're getting. And if it's the one that doesn't turn out like previous years, like Brad mentioned, it is what it is. And if he turns out to be fantastic, great. You have a, solid uh good value contributing uh depth forward who's also really good trade bait yes i totally agree so that is uh ernie and verona settled that's the detroit's two arbitration cases we talked before about arbitration being a concern uh you let too many players go to arbitration then it might kind of uh soil the negotiation process with rfas uh and here's both of them avoided so the red wings have no um bertuzzi from uh last time was the only arbitration award that eisman has had with the red wings so far right there's no yeah, yeah that's the only one uh and still to be signed obviously philip pronick um but yeah i i think you know what if adam ernie produces like he did last year i think he'll be a, a hot candidate for the trade market People yeah a year and a half that Detroit could retain half, barely affects their cap situation. But, you know, if Adam Ernie's a 15-ish to 20 goal scorer this year and a team can get him for 1.05, oh, that's, that'd be supremely attractive. He would arguably probably get the best return on the team of all potential trade candidates at the deadline. And that's wild to say unless Nick Letty has a huge season. So <laughs> hypothesizing about trades is fun, but I personally just want uh to keep tweeting out in all caps the Adam Ernie experience continues. Because yeah. that was such a hysterical run last year of points and goals. There's nothing that says you can't do that when he's on a playoff run with the Islanders. I think it's just really yeah, you're right. <laughs> but he plays on a line with like Barzell and just crushes it. And we're sitting there with first round pick happy as can be. Well <laughs> There's our there's our Pedersen replacement value right there. <laughs> um, for everyone who is going to be angrily uh, messaging about you know one point or another that we missed about the Pedersen uh, conversation, you're right. Uh, let us know what that is. Uh, any mean words, make sure to tag Brad. But if it's neutral or just constructive criticism, make sure to tag myself and Evan. Uh, and we'll probably revisit. Depending on what happens with Pedersen, we'll revisit in another episode as well. But. Um, uh, both allergy season and Adam Ernie uh, cut that conversation short today. All right, uh, let's jump into overtime. Uh, the Winged Wheel podcast is uh, supported, held together, uh, kept alive, all those other uh, good turns of phrase, which I can't recall right now, uh, by the Winged Wheel podcast uh, Patreon supporters. Patreon.com slash Winged Wheel podcast. They are amazing people and they're the reason we're able to do this show. Uh, Jake Bloom says, I have a question for Evan. Will Ricky Fowler ever win a major? No. No? Ricky's lived on a tour because he's been such a good putter for his entire career. Uh, He just doesn't have the full game consistency anymore to to win another major. They're just, I don't see how he can pull it together for four straight days at a major. Uh, Quaz says, does the universe exist solely to troll Ryan? Uh, common misconception. It often does, but it really exists solely to troll Evan. Brad and I are just, uh, occasional targets at times. Yes. It's definitely been a grind lately. 
Poor Evan, hard life. It's he, been tough. They left his golf clubs out in the rain at his fancy golf course. Yeah, they did. <laughs> you're. I don't know how you're so popular when you're the least relatable person I know. <laughs> that, that's why everybody wants to. Re, everybody can relate to us, but everybody wants to be Evan. Yeah. yeah, people see themselves in us, and they don't like that. No, I don't want to meet another me. That sucks. Oh, yeah. Evan's I, great. I'm the worst person I know. <laughs> I just realized I've got stains on my shorts and I have to go out and run errands after. So that's uh, another good thing about my day. <laughs> I'm telling Kat. Um, Nick Amalfi says, did you guys see the odds for the 2022 Calder Trophy? Uh, Raymond came in second best at plus 225. Moritz Sider came <laughs> in uh, fifth at plus 1200. That seems crazy to me. I know it favors forwards more than defense, but Raymond's more likely than not to not even play in the NHL this year. I, again, to be fair, some of these odds are based on what's actually going to be bet and what's actually being bet. So it could just be Red Wings fans going nuts. So, but he, there's a chance he cracks the roster. Like, I, yeah, it's has not the crazy to earn the, the spot. He has the skill. Like, if we're talking Lucas Raymond on skill alone, he's he's a day one Red Wing. But it's the Red Wings are a team, especially. Well, I shouldn't say the Red Wings. Every team believes in this, but the Red Wings are a team that believes in the finer aspects of the game and refining the game more than most. And obviously rookies don't have that. That's why experience matters. Um, so it depends how he looks in that stratosphere when he goes, but Hey, to be fair, one of the bigger attributes of his game when he was drafted and still it's true is he's very, very offensively gifted forward who does play a responsible 200 foot game. So it's not crazy to think. Uh, and then more at Cider at 1200. What's the money like there? You know what? I Cider has a much better chance in my mind just in terms of actually playing the games. But the Calder Trophy is just so much harder to win as a defenseman. And yeah, even if everything goes exactly right for Mo this year, I don't see big offensive counting totals. If he plays 82 games, like what's a good point total from 25 30 like that's on the higher end i would think that would get him consideration don't get me wrong that probably even makes him a finalist with how strong his defensive game is but you know there's going to be someone like a cole caulfield or a quentin byfield who's going to put up 45 50 55 points and, and they'll get the nod um ruthless and toothless says if the red wings have a legit shot at getting petterson then we throw everything at him and even the kitchen sink he's the only player i've seen uh remotely to emulate datsuk's skill set we go hard and we go often after him yeah if the red wings are going to be good like we said you should but you got to be really damn confident in that pissing and moaning brad crisco says hey it's been a while hope you've been well and i missed making you guys say weird stuff uh i'm new here says no question just to thank you for this podcast and looking forward to meeting some of this awesome group on november 13th uh revan lobsaber says can eisenman help with my power outage yeah i hope everyone um who's dealing with that crap is doing okay uh, eisenman can do a lot but i'm not sure he controls the power uh, Jake Kiefer also asks about Raymond having the second highest Calder Trophy odds. Um, yeah, I mean, I think if if Raymond cracks a team like Brad mentioned, then if, if Raymond cracks a team, then all of a sudden you're looking at a guy who's probably leaning pretty heavily towards a Calder Trophy season because that means he's he's having a great year. But just with what's in front of him and the fact that the Red Wings are probably not in a rush to put him in the NHL, I don't know. I, I think I think you can bet on him, but at those odds, doesn't seem like great money to me. Uh, Cody Geyer says, "Who's your favorite non-Red Wings uh, 
and later currently. Who's your favorite non? Oh my god. Cody Geyer says, "Who's your f- favorite non-Red Wings player currently?" Um. Why is this so hard? I love Mark Stone. I think Mark Stone plays such a complete game, and he's such a good player. I don't even have an answer. I can't think of a single... There's too many coming to my brain at once, and not a single one is registering to my mouth. It was Shea Weber, who's now going to be LTI retired, so that's tough for you. Yeah, I got to find a new one, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Hudson says, hey, boys, hope you're doing well. I'm a big football, uh, sorry, soccer fan, and there's talk of a salary cap being added to European teams soon. 70% of incoming money would be the cap. This probably won't work because billionaires exist. Are there any rules from other sports you'd like to see the NHL adopt? I'd love football to have player trades and not transfers. Yeah, soccer, I I don't love the way personnel works in soccer, honestly, um, or football. Um, I always thought the, um, we talked about this before, the, um, oh my God. What was it where the, the two players in the MLS don't count against the cap? Oh, the designated player. Designated player. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the soft cap, but measures like that, I think, are a good way to maybe are a little bit of a good compromise. I wouldn't hate designated players. Have to be drafted by you in the first round, and then you can, you know, pay them whatever, however much money. Yeah, I think that would, you know, that would help level the playing field with maybe unattractive markets to live in or teams that have one of those spots open and they're making a run for the cup and they can just throw infinity dollars at a ufa to to get them uh matt s says another week of no questions just happy that we have this podcast to listen to can't wait to meet you through november 13th um man i'm so pumped for november Colorado 14er says, do you believe the NHL will end up sending players to the Olympics in a COVID world? I just don't think the risk is worth the reward, especially knowing games would be played at times when it'd be hard for the average viewer in both North America and Europe to watch. You know what? For all the NHL, not the NHL PAs, the NHL's warts and faults in terms of prioritizing an important part of the game, which is, I think, the Olympics, um, because it doesn't make them any money. The IOC, the International Olympic Committee, despite their vast and well-documented corruption, are being especially huge dickheads with this. And it pisses me off. They just don't want to concede on any point. Like, they're talking about, at points, they're talking about not paying for travel, they're not paying for insurance, or they're not paying for blah, blah, blah. And it's like, these players are multi-million dollar assets to a multi-billion dollar organization like you gotta give a little bit it's cold and it's too much talk about money for something that's supposed to be so pure like the olympics but like by the time it reaches us we shouldn't have to care about all that but here the ioc is and you know the nhl is at fault too of course but the ioc just seems to draw such a hard line on like not wanting to do anything to make this work yeah, it's another organization that everybody loathes and loves to just make fun of and for obvious reasons. Um, the next Winter Olympics is in China, right? Yeah, Beijing. Right. And you know the NHL has been trying to get will will want to get that untapped market if they can like they've seen what the nba has done and the money that funnels into the nba through china the nhl is looking at that and saying there is 
there is an opportunity here when we have one of the most unique sports in the world to market to that you know untapped resource i think if the nhl can get can get it done they absolutely will um you know it's not the greatest viewing experience for us but that's not how they look at it they already know we're gonna watch or the north american fans are already spending money on hockey it's it's those asian markets that they want to get the new eyes and the new dollars from so if there's any way the nhl can get this done i i, I don't have to concede a lot of things i i think for sure that they will do that uh, and I'm Devin says ultimate chaos rule change thoughts. Uh, Brad has left uh, for the morning. So didn't we already have this question? I said no goaltender interference. No, no. He's saying three on three overtime for 10 minutes. No sudden death. If the game is tied after 10 minute OT, then it's a shootout. Um, no sudden death. No, no. I'm not for that. I think you're supposed to argue against it. And I'm supposed to be neutral. And Brad is supposed to argue for I would rather it still be sudden death that makes some excitement. I'm down for 10 minutes, so you you get rid of the shootout completely. But yeah, I want sudden death. I would... I know this would ruin hockey statistics and records, but having three points for a regulation win, two points for an overtime win would be significantly better Mm -hmm. because you see so many teams just sort of park the bus to just play for overtime and play for a shootout. It would be nice to change that but i can totally understand why that would not be taste uh some people wouldn't like that i just i want them to do it and i get the argument that by not doing it to keep the standings closer i just don't know if it's worth it like if you're so concerned about the playoff race i'd rather have the trade-off of having a playoff tournament for the wild card spots where four or six teams play for the last two spots an extra like four games at the end of the year i don't know what it would have to be um but you have the three two one system i think that is so much better yeah actually that might be the best idea i've had um thick moon says i was pretty drunk listening to the pod last week and got sentimental for the years i've spent listening uh so i finally decided to give a little back um well new patrons so thank you thick moon for your years of support and becoming uh part of the dubbed up family on patreon uh, i thought of a great question uh the night i subscribed but completely forgot it so just take my dollar and, and my thanks by the way i miss osbp the most uh phil gasno says hey i don't know how much longer i can take the wings being at the bottom of the league and i think the players on the team probably feel the same if we win the lottery this upcoming year should we go all in with free agency and push for the playoffs all in as in like you know dole out a mega contract arbitrarily no all in as in you take every opportunity to not make your team better yeah i think so i think you get there you you don't you don't mortgage big futures for aging assets now like you, you don't go back to that era but then you start taking those swings at good players who are in free agency who are 29 years old now you can start to consider signing them in my mind it's still too early for me in my opinion you got to look at what's happening around you. Tampa is still a wagon. Florida is only getting much stronger, and they are very much further ahead than uh, Detroit. Toronto's still in their window. Boston's the only team I really see that's you know potentially regressing. Um, well, and Montreal, but yeah. Well, 
we'll subtract this season and and Buffalo and I think Ottawa's on the up as well so you have to be very careful with your timing because if you play your hand too soon congratulations you're picking from 15 to 20th for the next five to ten years uh on a side note is there a big Arab and or Chaldean population in Windsor yes Windsor's right next to Michigan so yeah quite a few of us over there um vaxxed fresh cheese bag says hey fellas now that you've spent 40 minutes hashing it out no 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 i'm assuming this is about Pedersen. uh this team is more than one great player away from competing losing four first round picks for one elite albeit injury prone player is risky i'd be fine with an offer sheet at the second tier of max 10.25 mil per but let's be honest bending would match it and buy out tyler myers why not just trade for Pedersen and send two lottery protected first in the package or wait one year and sign Barkov or any of the other talented centers who make it to free agency? Also remember that I am never wrong. Stay fresh cheese bags, the official cheese bag of getting fully vaxxed. Please, dear God, end this chaos and madness and just get vaccinated if you haven't yet. Ozzy for Hall of Fame. Stay fresh cheese bags. Obi-Wan Kenobi says, would it be smart to offer Pedersen 10 to 11 million and walk him to UFA knowing Benny will just match it to put Vancouver in a bind. It's funny, but GMs just don't work that way. No, that would make, that makes way too much sense. Yeah. <laughs> or then you have Pedersen and you're walking him right. They, he doesn't match and you're walking him right to UFA. <laughs> <Joke's on you. laughs> I mean, I think Detroit and Eisenman are, is a like legitimately, I'm not even being ironic here as uh, a good sell to free agents. I think they are much more want to jump at that kind of thing now as in uh, rather than years past. And Pedersen who wants to play on a sustainably successful team, you could tell him come here first couple of years. We won't be cup competitors, but after that we'll be close. You might get him to resign, but it's going to cost you a pretty penny. But it also helps, you know, if we, if the Red Wings have their first round picks, they can sell the, whoever they pick to Pedersen being like, Hey, we just drafted this guy. He is going to be an, your next line mate he's going to be a superstar in this league yeah here you go like run run with it but and people will want to play with Pedersen. like that's a thing oh yeah all you got to do is start it homegrown first and then start trying to reel in the big fish um the analog kid 18 okay first of all first off evan um do you think raymond makes the team this year no Okay, the analog kid 18 says, I'll bet Evan's nine iron that Lucas Raymond makes the team out of camp. I need that nine iron. Well, do you want to take the bet? No. Well, analog kid, you put something up too, and then maybe you can make a golf club bet with Evan. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Okay, so I know a little bit of a disjointed episode with the Ernie news coming in and and cutting the Pedersen conversation short. So uh, if you guys want or are into it we can continue that conversation but most likely because we're putting this out to the world Pedersen's in the sign of vancouver today oh yeah uh so that's the ernie news that that broke on the podcast that's the Pedersen discussion that's cosa uh that's ryan martin that's everything else so um fun midweek or fun midweek fun uh off-season episode in terms of news uh we'll be back with you midweek for patrons with um a little patreon exclusive thing so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, we'd like to thank all of our name level sponsors on Patreon. Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, uh, Kyle Kragitz, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, um, Terry Driver of Cry and Ryan, Hannah Banana Slam and Thong, Taylor Tagel, Brandon M, Citizen High Five, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstum, DJ Denton, Give Blood, Fight Probert, Greech, Hana Lee, 
Hassam Al-Kassem, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Jeremiah Dobo, Joe Santangelo, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kalen Wood, King Tone, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Kyle McClure, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, Pissing and Moaning Brad Crisco, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stacey Lynn, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam, I wish I could finish like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Colorado 14ers, Connor Leighton, currently out of name ideas, Dave W., Evans Bingo Card, Halligan Beer, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, as good as it gets, uh, Matt S., Motorboat and Son of a Burt, Trevor Pevivar, Vaxed Fresh Cheese Bags, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Thank you all so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.